By listening to the Conscious Fertility Podcast, you agree to not use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Consult your own physician or healthcare provider for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Welcome to Conscious Fertility, the show that listens to all of your fertility questions so that you can move from fear and suffering to peace of mind and joy. My name is Lauren Brown. I'm a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine and a clinical hypnotherapist. I'm on a mission to explore all the paths to peak fertility and joyful living. It's time to learn how to be and receive so that you can create life on purpose. I am here today with Dr. Larry Burke, and we're going to talk about chakras and how that could impact or be involved when it comes to reproductive health. However, I'm going to go over his bio because he is a trained physician, and I did say we're going to talk about chakras, and a lot of people will say, well, they don't go together, medical doctor and chakras. And I want to just, for credibility sense, just show some of uh, Dr. Larry Burke's background and training. And so, um, as I mentioned, he's an MD. Larry, what is a CEHP? Because I see that as one of your credentials. Yeah, so that's the credentials through the Association for Comprehensive Energy Psychology. So it's Certified Energy Health Practitioner, which is mainly focused on emotional freedom techniques, uh, EFT, which I do in my coaching practice. Okay. And you did your medical school training and residency at the University of Pittsburgh. Then you trained in acupuncture and hypnosis. And as, as you just mentioned, a Certified Energy Health Practitioner. You were the co-founder of Duke Integrative Medicine and has a coaching practice online at um, Healing Imager, and you specialize in EFT, hypnosis, dream work, and enneagrams. Now, you're retired from Duke University Medical Center back in 2021 after a 40-year career as a holistic uh, muscle skeletal radiologist. I know what a radiologist is. What is a holistic muscle skeletal radiologist? Well, muscle skeletal is pretty straightforward. That's specialized in bones and joints and the spine. So it's all musculoskeletal system. And um, I was one of the early developers of MRI, the knee and MRI, the shoulder back in the, in the 80s. And then holistic came about um, indirectly related to MRI and that a lot of my MRI patients were claustrophobic. And I realized I could either use uh, Valium to attempt to sedate them, or I could learn some another alternative method, which turned out to be hypnosis. So that's what got me into hypnosis and expanded my horizons into holistic medicine. Then I also uh, studied acupuncture uh, because it seemed to be electromagnetic, which intrigued my interest in a connected way to, to MRI scans because I was on the National Safety Committee for MRI and actually. It was reading Robert Becker's book, The Body Electric, that triggered that interest in acupuncture because it seemed like the acupuncture points had some electromagnetic basis. That's what got me started in the, down that holistic rabbit hole. And, uh, and then eventually I, I combined the, the two of those approaches, the hypnosis and the acupuncture, into emotional freedom techniques, which is sort of like uh, acupressure for the emotions with hypnosis, but almost the opposite of hypnosis because we, we emphasize negative language in EFT that we're, we're tapping uh, on as opposed to the positive suggestions you put in with uh, hypnosis. So, and we're going to talk about all those little modalities, different modalities. I wanted to catch something I heard. You were in the MRI world, a developer of knee MRIs. Is that what I heard? What was your role yeah. with knees? Um, I was one of the first people to publish a paper on MRI of the knee and, and also MRI of the shoulder back in the 80s. 
So you're a qualified uh, doctor, that uh, radiologist that worked with MRI, so much so that you're one of the earlier developers of some of the body parts that they MRI'd. Yeah, and when I retired last year, I, I estimated that I'd, I'd read about 60,000 MRI scans in 40 years. So that's, that's a few. And you got interested in acupuncture because of its electrical magnetic impact that you understood from Robert Becker's book. I think that was the body electric book he mm -hmm. wrote. Yep. And MRIs are, is that also electromagnetic? Is that what you're looking at when you're reading radiology? Are you looking at energy basically? Yeah, well, you put people in a strong magnetic field, first of all, and then you send uh, rate of frequencies into their body that gets absorbed by the hydrogen protons in the, in the fat and water molecules. And then, but that absorption just takes place very briefly. It's completely reversible. It doesn't cause any damage like an x-ray would. And then it gets sent back out of the body into the antenna. And the antenna picks it up and then the computer processing makes a picture out of it. So. And because of your background as a doctor and radiologist, so working with MRIs, this acupuncture idea of having an electromagnetic impact. So is to you acupuncture placebo or can you see a mechanism behind it then? Well, when I took the UCLA uh, course for physicians, the inspiration for doing that was, was one diagram in Robert Becker's book uh, where when Nixon went to China and then uh, one of his, James Reston was treated with the acupuncture after his appendectomy. And then all the people in the Chinatowns all over the United States started hanging out their shingles and people started flocking to acupuncture. And, and the NIH was pretty much freaked out by that. So they, they, they said, we got to figure out how this works. So they gave Becker like a million dollar grant to, to study how acupuncture works. And one of his grad students investigated it from an electro, electrical resistance point of view and discovered that the acupuncture points had decreased resistance and increased conductivity. Uh, and uh, she uh, published that. And, and the diagram in the book was a contour map around the acupuncture points showing all the, almost like you would see when you're out hiking and using a map and you see the, the, um, the skin resistance drop right when you get to the point. And of course, the, the ancient Chinese sages knew that for thousands of years, long before we, we had any equipment to, to measure it. But in, in the course, we were also... Uh, bought a point finder, which would beep when you went over the points. To, and Becker's subtitle for that picture was, this gives acupuncture an objective basis in reality. And, and that's when I thought, oh, acupuncture is real. Yeah, so. Nice. And you're also an author. You've written two books. The first one is Let Magic Happen, Adventures in Healing with a Holistic Radiologist. That was back in 2012. And then um, you also gave a TED Talk in uh, 2016 on uh, cancer warning dreams that save your life. So I know you do some dream work. And then the other book was 2018, um, where you said dreams that can save your life, early warning signs of cancer and other diseases. Now, with that background, when you talk about chakras, I think for the audience, some, some are going to be familiar with it and some are going to be, what is a chakra? Can you kind of give us an idea of the, what the chakras are, how you're understanding them? And, uh, and then maybe we'll go from there. Well, I guess as a point of reference, uh, I met Carolyn Mace, the medical intuitive, in 1990, and I read her book, Anatomy of the Spirit, and that was really one of my first introductions to the concept of chakras, and she goes through each of the seven energy centers of the body, which all have Sanskrit names from the, from the Hindu uh, sort of energetic concepts of the body, and I'm, I'm by no means a chakra healer or 
doing I don't work directly with the energy uh, I'm more interested in the emotions uh, and also the physical illnesses that are related to each of the, of the chakras uh, so and that's so I kind of use the EFT to address uh, what are called the shadow emotions of, of, of the chakras and there's and that correlates pretty well with the, the possible disease processes that occur in those areas. So. so when you talk about the emotions, and I think you use the term shadow emotions, which ones would you think are related to reproductive health, for example, and what would be some of those shadow emotions in those chakra or chakras? I, I teach workshops on uh, the lower four chakras because when you're studying metaphysical issues, most people are interested in the upper three chakras, uh, which are, you know, speaking the truth in the throat chakra, uh, tapping into your intuition in, in, in the sixth or third eye chakra, and then making a divine connection with the crown chakra at the, at the seventh level. But uh, as, as one of my teachers, Margaret Lynch uh, Rainier, who's a tapping coach, she points out that most of the physical healing action occurs down in those lower, lower four chakras. So, and the emotions there are fear in the first chakra, and it's interesting that you can follow these, the chakra development through the stages of life in chronological order. And that in infancy, the first chakra develops, and all an infant really cares about is whether it's safe to be here on the planet or not. And once he, once that infant feels safe, and then the development in the toddlerhood moves up to the second chakra, uh, and which is uh, really feeling safe, starting to reach out and explore the world, and then you get told no by uh, the... Uh, authority figures in your life, and, and then you get angry. So anger is the shadow emotion of the second chakra. Also, it's a little bit of guilt thrown in there as well, which connects to the third chakra, which is sort of the preschool era when, when you're just starting to develop a little ego. And then you get shamed for, for, for being full of yourself. And, uh, and, and that's the, the shadow issue of the third chakra, or the solar plexus chakra. And then the uh, fourth chakra is the heart chakra, which really develops when you're in grade school and you're starting to really create relationships with with your peers and and also with your with your parents and grandparents and some of those relationships don't work out or grandparents might die and then you experience grief so that's the shadow issue of, of the uh, the fourth chakra and i think all four of those emotions can play into you know, infertility uh, questions so yeah. yeah so when i think of um the chakras and the location so the first chakra it would be the lower part of the body feed all the way up to the genital perineum area. You said the second chakra is kind of the lower abdomen, the navel, third chakra, solar plexus, fourth chakra, heart. Can it be then that there's an imbalance in one of the four chakras that leads to reproductive health issues, or is it always going to be related to just the, the first chakra? One of the most interesting ones, uh, since my wife is an expert in uh, PCOS and metabolic syndrome, is the third chakra where you're eating too much sugar and winding up getting uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is certainly going to impact your uh, your uh, fertility. And uh, it's also going to impact male fertility because they're converting testosterone in, into estrogen and getting breasts instead of powerful sperm. So, yeah. Uh, so, so I think the third chakra is has a lot, lot to say about that. I think the fourth chakra uh, really... Uh, can be impacted by any sort of fertility loss, like a miscarriage, major grief issues. And, I, and I've done some EFT with people who've, who've had miscarriages and other, other traumas relating to, to loss of pregnancy. And, and I think that the grief is a big factor there. And I, know, I, know, I don't know that much about 
the Chinese medicine ideas, but I know the heart is connected to the uterus in some way uh, through the Chinese energetic system. So that, that's probably a, an important connection there as well. But then the obvious ones are the second chakra would be where, where the uterus and the ovaries are located. And then the first chakra is sort of the root of, of, of all of it. So the, and the fear and anger are, are some of those most basic emotions. And, and since a lot of fertility is also related to intimacy with your partner, if you've got fear and anger down in the first two chakras, you, you may have trouble conceiving just from a purely energetic point of view, regardless of how your um, sperm and eggs are doing. So when you talk about like the energetic point of view, then do you subscribe to the idea that our emotions can um, impact our physical well-being, including reproductive health? Yeah, and I think it also ties in nicely to acupuncture theory too, in, in that I think of the chi, since yeah, it has some electromagnetic properties, but it's not necessarily like electricity, although it's a, it's a nice metaphor for it. Um, but, but the metaphor that I like the best is that if you break emotion up into two words, emotion, energy, and motion, and, and that the emotions are supposed to move through your mer meridians, and if they get stuck or blocked, uh, that's when you get symptoms, uh, and it can happen obviously anywhere through your body. And uh, the secret is to keep those emotions moving. And there's a wonderful uh, poem that we use uh, in the mindfulness meditation trainings called The Guest House by Rumi. And it's one of his most famous poems. And if you just Google Guest House Rumi, you'll find it. And it's really his guide to emotional management where he says, this being human is like a guest house, you know, you get visited by all these different emotions, but these different visitors, it could be a, a, a terrible grief, frightful terror, a uh, terrific anger or whatever it is. He said, welcome them all in because you don't know what they're preparing you for next. But the key point is that it's a guest house that they can't stay. You know, so. And I know even from the heart chakra point of view, if joy is the emotion of the heart chakra and you get too much joy, you can get manic. So, so you get too much of a, of a good emotion is, uh, puts you out of balance as well. So, so the whole idea of letting emotions move through your body is critical, I think, to, to emotional and energetic management. So. Yeah, that's that flow idea. When you, if you don't get attached to them, then they continue to flow. And if you resist them, um, then you get resistance, or which we say in the acupuncture world, chi stagnation. And I think you shared at the beginning from Becker's book, Body Electric, that at the acupuncture point, there's a least amount of resistance. And we know in electrical systems, um, when you have more resistance, you have less flow. And when you have less resistance, you have more flow. And part of our whole podcast idea is to lower or remove that resistance to allow that flow to happen, Right same idea with the emotions. And that's that whole mindfulness in my practice. Again, learning tools, techniques to witness, to observe the emotions. And that's how it sounds like Rumi's poem that you mentioned, The Guest House. You know, you, you sense them, you feel them, but it's more of a witnessing, not identifying too much with them. And going back to just your background, you we're going to talk more about chakras and your way of of helping people integrate and heal because you're married to a colleague of mine, Dagmar, who's an acupuncturist with a focus on reproductive health as well. Just going to, we'll talk about fertility as well a bit more, obviously. You mentioned Carolyn Miss that you had met. That's a medical intuitive. 
I think you've shared before, um, maybe off camera, but do you have any good stories? Because I'm always, I want to help the skeptics. You know, there's always skeptics who are like, this is, this is craziness, right? That you're talking. Now there's believers and non-believers. We're not talking to them because you can't convince the believers whether they choose not to believe or believe with any amount of information or evidence because they've made up their mind. The skeptics are people that are like, I'm not sure, but I'm open. I'm curious. I just need some evidence, data to be able to be um, receptive to this. So can you share some of your Carolyn Miss stories? Anything that you'd like to share about your experience with her? Before I actually met her, I'd read the book Creation of Health. It was a joint effort between Carolyn and Norm Sheely. And Norm Sheely has been one of my mentors for years. And I had met him before meeting Carolyn. And he's you know MD, PhD, neurosurgeon, uh, Duke and Harvard uh, uh, credentials, was the inventor of the of the TENS device and the dorsal column stimulator and, and was the founder of the first multidisciplinary pain clinic in the country. And so, uh, and he was always on the lookout for talented medical intuitives. And when he found Carolyn, he like found the Holy Grail. And, and in that book, they published a, a study, which was never published in a peer-reviewed journal, but where he gave her 50 test subjects, unknowns. And usually he's in a like somewhere out in the Midwest, and she's in a different state, and he would he would give her the name and the age of the patient, and he claimed that she was about ninety three percent accurate, which is mind blowing, you know. <laughs> Since even the best radiologic studies are, are we're doing good if we if we're over ninety percent. So then at the Edgar Casey Center, the ARE Association for Research and Enlightenment, I heard Carolyn speak and had lunch with her and asked her if she would be willing to show me. You know, what she does or do some research. She wasn't very enthusiastic about doing any formal research, but I did get her card and I like, called and left a message for her. And about a month later, she'd been out traveling somewhere. I thought she, I'd left a message for her. I thought she'd never call me back. Um, and I just read an MRI scan on a young 13-year-old girl who had limped into my MRI scanner in Virginia Beach. And I took one look at her and thought that she was about 10 years old. But it, so it didn't really jive with what was on the requisition. Oh, wait, she's actually 13. And she was limping, had pretty bad sciatica. And my initial intuition was, oh, she's just faking this to get out of a day of school. And I did an MRI scan of the pelvis and the, and the lumbar spine. And, but it was sent in by one of my top orthopedic surgeons. So I thought maybe there's something going on. So there's a big, obvious tumor in, in the sacrum growing up into the spine and causing nerve damage and, and all kinds of terrible symptoms. Uh, and I, I knew right away that it was a malignant, you know, uh, cancer. I was pretty stunned and it dictated the report. And then later that afternoon, Carolyn called me out of the blue. And it was like, thanks for getting back to me. Um, and I said, could you show me what you do over the phone? And she said, no, and I only work for Norm and, and Christiane Northrup, you know. And I said, oh, okay, well, maybe some other time. She, and she's, she was kind of gruff, and a bit of irascible. And she goes, oh, I'll take a quick look, like begrudgingly. And I said, I said, oh, okay. Uh, and I just asked, what do you need? She said, just give me the name and the age of the patient. Don't tell me anything about her. So I gave her that information. Didn't tell her what part of the body I scanned. There was like five seconds of silence on the other end of the phone. And I was in Virginia and she was, I think, up in Illinois somewhere. Uh, and then she said, there's a large tumor in the pelvis working its way into the spine. I was like, whoa. And in, in Duke basketball terms, that's a slam dunk. And I was... I pretty much stammered out, uh, 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 could you tell me more? And she said that there's a severe imbalance of the second energy center or chakra. And the fertility connection here is she said, this girl would rather die than go through puberty. And so my initial reaction was, well, first of all, I thought, well, she must be just reading my mind, you know, and even that would have been pretty far out. But uh, 
but but then I said, that's a pretty heavy heavy trip to lay on on, on this young girl. Uh, how do you know know that? She said, well, I found her spiritual signature through you. But then she proceeded to tell me more than I knew about the girl and her relationship with her mother, family background, genetic history, just all kinds of information just came pouring out. And that, that was a life-changing experience for me because, you know, I had just charged $2,000 for that MRI scan and she gave me more information in, in five minutes than, than I'd gotten out of the whole uh, two studies. So, and then uh, a week later, she had a biopsy. They did nerve damage during the biopsy. Um, they gave her the wrong chemo and the wrong radiation. And the radiation that she got through pelvis was obviously going to damage her ovaries and probably prevent her from having a normal puberty. And a year later, I saw her for a follow-up scan. She was still alive, so I don't know what happened to her long term. But what happened to me was, was that <laughs> that shook up my, my, my paradigm or my worldview in a rather large way. And it made me take the shock was a, a lot more seriously. And, uh, and also put me on a quest. I, I've since worked with dozens of medical intuitives and some are better than others. None of them quite compared to, uh, to Carolyn. And, but there is now a, actually a medical intuition training program uh, in California run by Wendy Coulter. And she's actually uh, written a book on medical intuition and she's certifying uh, medical intuitives now, which Norm and Carolyn attempted to do uh, like 15 years ago when I was on the American Board of Scientific Medical Intuition. But they only certified one person successfully, <laughs> uh, but, but Wendy's doing uh, doing this in a big way. So, so that that's pretty. And there's even like one paper in the peer-reviewed literature on it too. So, so this is something that can be you can be trained in. It's not like an innate gift that you have to be born with. Well, I think there is a gift involved, but everyone has it to some degree. There, clearly, there are some people uh, who have been you know talented in that way since childhood. But yes, um, she does have a more of a discipline that you do to, uh, to, to cultivate the talent. So. And your paradigm shift, I mean, with Caroline Miss diagnosing like an MRI, better than an MRI, through just tapping into, you said it's some type of energetic spiritual signature of, of the young, young patient, because your background as a medical doctor and a radiologist would be a very materialistic view. And so here's something that goes beyond our senses, beyond things that we can measure easily. And so this is what you said motivated you to start to explore other modalities and ways of thinking that are beyond the materialistic point of view. Yeah, I did find one other medical intuitive who had even more impressive uh, scientific credentials than Carolyn Mace. She has a, some sort of advanced degree, uh, but it's like a metaphysical uh, psychology degree or something. But, but Mona Lisa Schultz, if you've ever come across her, she is actually a... Uh, board-certified psychiatrist, and a PhD in neuroscience, and a very talented medical intuitive. She wrote a book called Awakening Intuition years ago, but, but most recently she collaborated with the famous um, metaphysical book publisher Louise Hay, which I'm sure many uh, people are familiar with. Her famous Heal Your Body book you know, goes through all the different physical symptoms you can have in your body and gives you the metaphysical significance. Well, Mona Lisa did a brilliant job of adding to that Louise's final book before she died is called All Is Well. It's just like the Heal Your Body book, only this one is full of uh, scientific references from the psychological and psychiatric literature on each of the seven chakras. So it's a great resource. And that's Mona Lisa? Mon Mona Lisa, like the, the famous artwork, and Schultz, and MD, PhD. And so what do you think from the books you've read and the, and the intuitives you met, What's happening here? Because a lot of people are looking for some healing. And so 
what what do you think is happening? What are they tapping into? Can you explain this a bit better for us? Like, yeah. what are people tapping into here? What's happening when people have this? Well, a when they can diagnose, let alone they're treating, but just diagnosing from afar. Are are you aware that these intuitives do they also do some form of treatment, or is it just diagnosing? Some of them are healers, also. Carolyn really doesn't participate in the healing process, other than giving people insights. Into, and one of her books is called "Why People Don't Heal and, and How They Can." You know, it's about I can give you all this medical intuitive information, but you you might still do nothing with it. You know, so. Um, but there are other people who who combine their medical and intuitive skills with their healing abilities. Many of those people are Reiki healers and, and other other types of. You know, Barbara Brennan is probably a prototype for that because she wrote. Hands of Light, which has some amazingly detailed drawings of chakra, chakra imbalances, and many layers of the aura. And, uh, and you know, these things are energetic, subtle energies on some level. Um, they're clearly not straightforward electromagnetism that we can measure very effectively. Uh, I, as a radiologist, I'm always very skeptical when you go to a mind-body-spirit expo and see the, the aura cameras. I mean, th those are like reading tea leaves, you know. And, and there have been some people attempted to measure the uh, chakra energies. There's a famous researcher uh, out in California, Valerie Hunt, who wrote a whole book about it. Uh, there have been a couple more research projects recently, but it doesn't fit our scientific paradigm uh, very cleanly. So Let's go back to our chakras then and your style of treating. So if somebody had reproductive health issues, what, what kind of approach would you do? Like a, you're treating the energetics of the body, not so much the physical. You're treating the energetics that's impacting the physical. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, what I do in, in my uh, workshops and also in my coaching practice, uh, but particularly in the workshops, uh, I developed a model in the Duke Lupus Clinic um, in 2019 where the rheumatologist gave me permission to, to work with their patients right after their clinic visit, visits. And I, f I wanted to figure out what can I accomplish in a half an hour with someone who's never done any sort of mind-body work at all? And, and what, I, what I experimented with was teaching them to do five minutes of meditation and just mainly following the breath. And then noticing any, just as they relax, noticing any disturbing emotions that come up or intrusive thoughts. And then, then they get five minutes of expressive writing to write down emotional language that comes out of that meditative experience get that down on maybe fill up one side of a page of paper uh, with just emotional uh, language and then circle what has the biggest charge on it. And then that's what we use to guide the tapping process. So then we'll do like five minutes of tapping and then do five minutes of self-hypnosis afterwards. So in that 20 minutes, you, you can you know, do, accomplish a lot. And so when I do the workshops, uh, I add a little bit to the meditation that I want to use a mantra that's not just the breath alone, but add a mantra to it that's related to those emotions of each of the chakras. So it, since it's fear in the first chakra, I have people say, I'm safe. So and I tell them, go ahead and say that for five minutes. And if there's anything that comes up like saying, hell no, I'm not safe, you know, uh, uh, then that's what you write down afterwards, you know. Um, and so it kind of fleshes out uh, the weaknesses in that in that particular chakra. Then we go up to the second chakra and say, I'm free. Uh, and, and then, oh, no, I'm not free, especially during COVID. I mean, people have had a hard time with that, you know, I'm not free. And that brings up all those uh, shadow emotions. And then uh, the third chakra is very interesting. 
since it's about self-esteem and, and versus shame, and it's also this concept that's very popular is I'm not enough. You know, you've been told at some point in your you know, preschool years you just weren't good enough, you weren't measuring up, and so for the third chakra, the meditation is I'm enough, and then listen to the objections that come up after that, and the, and the, and for the fourth chakra, since it's grief. You know, finding the opposite of grief, it, I'm using gratitude for that. I'm, I'm grateful. And, and so all the things you've lost, well, it's good to recognize the gratitude you had for, for having had them in the first place. So th that's sort of the way I work through those four chakras. And it's interesting to see people's reactions to using that mantra. And we share, we both really like the tapping, the emotional freedom technique. And for our listeners, we have a podcast with Dr. Pita Stapleton, which I know your your colleagues and good friends with, where we go into much more detail. Um, but as uh, Larry mentioned earlier, some you start on the negative emotion, and I, if you, my listeners are aware of my approach: notice, accept, choose again. Right? We we surrender and accept that feeling rather than resist it, because what you resist persists. We start to observe it, and the tapping technique does have a way to, I'll use the word loosely, neutralize it or integrate it, and. Uh, and I always say paradoxically, once you accept what is, which I love using EFT for, then paradoxically, the C stands for in the NAC, choose again, what do you want to feel? And there's your um, your mantras, I am safe for chakra number one, I am free number two, I am enough for three, and I'm grateful, or I would even think I'm lovable, right? Because the heart chakra. Yeah. And again, what I'm really liking, Larry, is all the experts and authors in conscious work and energy healing I talk to, very similar, right? They're just, which is nice. It's it's similar how everybody's approaching this. And uh, going back to your quote you mentioned earlier by Rumi, that guest house not being at not attaching to these emotions and allowing them to kind of move through you as you witness them and observe them. And your tapping tool that you like and I like so much is a great way to um, make sure the guest doesn't stay too long. And the other thing I, that I do use almost always with my clients is a metaphor for, for what's going on with tapping because everyone's oh how does it work you know i said every trauma that you have in your whole life is like a malware program that gets downloaded into your acupuncture meridians and your nervous system some of that's stored in the body but it's also uploaded in through your nervous system into your limbic system in the brain which is where all your emotional processing occurs and there's a file up there for every bad thing that ever happened to you and there in the file there's a story there's a picture and then there's this malware program and everybody pretty much knows what a malware program is these days it's something that got downloaded in your system that you didn't ask for you know <laughs> and so all we do with the tapping process is identify that file name and then repeat the file name over and over again causing the program to start to run and giving your body kind of an energetic flashback and then Start tapping on the acupuncture points on your face and chest, and it's like hitting the, the delete key to uninstall that program. And that, from a neurophysiologic point of view, that's actually what's going on because every memory is only as, as old as the last time you looked at it. So, and if you open that memory up, do a lot of pleasant tapping on yourself, and then save the memory again, that's the, the new program that's that's in there instead of the old you know traumatic one where you're shaking or, or uh, upset stomach or whatever it is so, so that and then at the end you can go back and check the file and say okay did i get that program out of there and and also use hypnosis to put in the new program you want that's why it's always good to do the tapping before you do the hypnosis so you're not you're not trying to push the the program on top of something something that's resisting it so when you say check on the old program 
You mean thinking about the situation and see if the negative emotional charge comes up or not. Yeah. Yeah. So just and, and, that. and that's, for example, for someone with infertility issues, uh, say they had a, a miscarriage or something, and you would go up and find that miscarriage file. And as you tap through it and uninstall it, eventually, and sometimes very quickly, they would go back up and look in that file and they would see the picture of, you know, say the bleeding that they had or the, the cramps or whatever it was, but, but the body would not uh, have any physical response to those memories. And, and that's the definition of emotional freedom, when you can look at the picture and, and the story and, and not have a physical reaction to it. This reminds me of kind of the authors or the books, you know, um, Peter Levine's book, Waking the Tiger, because mm -hmm. you mentioned trauma and, uh, and it seems like we're all, we all have trauma, right? We all have have trauma and that that reminds me of the other book the body keeps the score these emotions get get trapped in the body and Stephen porges books and research on the polyvagal theory sharing that it's not a mental thing you're not going to talk your way through this it's a somatic so it's a body thing it's a biology thing that this trauma is trapped in the body and so these somatic styles like eft emotional freedom technique are good ways to get into these programs to help integrate heal them i don't know what the right word is for this but you call them delete them, right? It's, they're, they're good ways to do it, these body-based therapies like emotional freedom technique. And I use the example of grief, which does work extremely well for grief, but if you think about the other chakras and, and related to infertility, again, if, you, if your relationship is, is out of balance and, and you're eating sugar because you're frustrated with your spouse, that's going to decrease your fertility. And, you know, and it's like tapping away... Uh, some of the issues in your relationship would, would be very useful. Likewise, if you're in the second chakra, if you're angry all the time, um, that's not going to produce the energetic uh, milieu that you want to get pregnant. Or, or I'm thinking at the most primitive level, I've got a young grandson now, so I might see my, my daughter go, go through this process. And being reminded, every, every uh, parent is potentially terrified about going through this experience, you know. So... I would imagine on, on some level, everyone has a first chakra uh, fear of, of becoming a, a parent, you know. Are we going to do it okay? Are we going to do it well? In your practice, has it your, been your experience that most of this trauma, these trapped emotions, are from early childhood? Because a lot of people subscribe to the idea that any or all overreactions are age regression. So you may be really mad at your spouse, or you're feeling really frustrated, or you're feeling fear. Like even the miscarriage can bring up fear and grief and trauma. Do you subscribe or is it your clinical experience that that is something that's happening now that's activating an old negative charge? Or do you think a lot of these things are, no, they're fresh, they're new? Yeah, I mean, uh, usually when I'm working with someone with a current trauma, like just had a car accident or something, or, or use a fertility, just had a miscarriage or something, um, I always ask people, well, what, what does that remind you of? Oh, it reminds me of... You know, when I was in a car accident with, with my parents when I was uh, 10, or, or it reminds me when I was the oldest in, in, the, uh, in the family and my mother miscarried. It's like peeling the layers of the onion and looking at the way things echo through your life. So sometimes you start in the present and work your way back to, to the root uh, cause. And, and of course, the most important study in all of medicine is the ACE study or the Adverse Childhood Experience Study from the CDC. And... It's amazing how few of my medical colleagues have ever heard of that study. It's by far the most, the biggest risk factor for all chronic diseases is how many 
uh, severe traumas you had before the age of, you know, 18. And it's amazing that, I mean, nurses have heard of the study, usually some pediatricians, some psychiatrists, but the average internist who's dealing with all these chronic diseases, I bet you a lot of the OB-GYNs never heard of it either. And so this study suggests that if you've had, this is emotional trauma, then you'll have physical diseases later on in life, higher risk factors as adults. Yeah, and there's a ten, standard 10-item questionnaire. It's, it's really emotional, uh, physical, or sexual abuse, and then and also abandonment or neglect. So there's, uh, you know, did your parents get divorced? Did, were you ever go without food or clothes? Uh, did anyone in your family go to jail? Anyone have an addiction problem? And those are the 10 that they focus on. But when you really think about it, there are additional traumas that, that people accumulate. And the big ones, um, for me, I know in my life, were, were medical traumas, you know, like having had uh, procedures when I was young and things like that. And, and especially if it occurs before you have any language, those have repercussions. Even just something like getting your tonsils out, you know, could have a major impact. You know. Yeah, in Waking the Tiger, the book we mentioned earlier by Peter Levine, I do, I think it's in his book where he talks about adults they're being worked with, and then when they're regressed, the memory of them as children, infants having surgery, you know, on a cold table being held down, no language, a scary mask. So we're not aware of it. Um, the doctors are doing things in the best interest, best intention. However, these children, a lot of these people are being traumatized from this these life-saving procedures. So I, I'm making a point here that I think all of us probably have trauma <laughs> trapped in our body that we may yeah. not even be aware of. It also reminds me that some of us are more sensitive than others born that way. And so that abandonment issue, some people um, in my practice, when we regress back to a memory, the memory is that they were picked up late from daycare. Yeah. Right? And I'm that was, an, so, and they're sensitive. They're just very, some children, not, not an issue, but some children they are so sensitive. And in my experience, you had mentioned that you know, their mother might've had a miscarriage or they had a car accident and they earlier had a car accident. I often trace back and find that it's not the story that has to be on track, on theme, it's the emotion. So if they have incredible fear, you trace back the emotion fear and it can be a totally different narrative story when they're younger, but the feeling's the same. And so I don't even look for the story to have any similarities. I'm just following the feeling because that's what I'm looking to help integrate or discharge from the body. Again, boring from Peter Levine. I, I just reread him, so he's on top of mind. Yeah. The body's constantly wanting to discharge this, and we have that neocortex that stops us. And so we're always finding ways to reactivate the trauma so we can deal with it unintentionally, unconsciously. And I like what you're doing with your work um, because you are consciously in a safe place activating it. As you said, you bring up the negative emotion while you tap on it. So you're activating it and now giving the body the opportunity to integrate and discharge this, which so it doesn't have to stay in the tissues. And, and the other thing that's pretty interesting that happens on occasion is someone doesn't really have much recall of what went on in childhood. Some people have completely repressed it. And sometimes it emerges just through the tapping process. Uh, they'll have these aha moments like, oh, I remember that. And I've had other uh, client recently who had um, her memories of sexual abuse emerge in a dream that she had no conscious awareness of, and boom, the dream just laid it out for her. And and that's one of the reasons I do dream work is because sometimes you get the answers uh, that you're seeking from that aspect of your, your subconscious. And, and I generally uh, say that often these things come in, in awareness in dreams first, 
And then if for some reason you don't pay attention to your dreams, you don't remember them, then eventually it'll manifest as a physical symptom. It's like the subconscious has a way of communicating with you one way or another, either through the dream work or, or through your physical symptoms. And it's a lot easier if, to, if, you, if you do it in the dream work, you don't have to pay the physical price for it. So. Can you give an example of uh, somebody that you know of where um, they had a dream? Because I know you've written a book on this topic, so I'm sure you have several, um, just how they got a message in their dream and how it saved their life. Yeah, um, there are quite a number of women in my book who had breast cancer uh, that was not clinically uh, obvious. There was no lump, there was no symptoms, and then they had a dream uh, basically instructing them to go get a mammogram. And, and that's uh, shocking to, to realize that they actually picked that up before the doctor even knew. And, and there are even, this is pretty extreme, there are examples in my book of women who had a um, compelling dream, uh, went in for their mammogram, and they were told, that's normal. And, and one of the women insisted on getting an ultrasound. And Rayel just didn't want to, but when they finally agreed uh, reluctantly and put the probe on the breast right where the woman said saw it in the dream, boom, there was the cancer and the radiologist was shocked. But there are even more extreme examples of, I give one example of this in my TED Talk, one of the women had compelling dream, but the mammogram was normal, the ultrasound was normal. And, and somehow she found a doctor, open-minded enough, he, he was going to do a biopsy based on the dream alone. And that, you don't find many surgeons are going to do that. But, but he, he, he wound up uh, just saying, okay, well, here's a magic marker. Put a dot on your breast where you think it is, even though there's no lump and no symptom, but just where, where did the dream show it? So she puts a dot on, he takes the needle out and he just does the biopsy, he hits a hard mass deep in the breast that didn't show up on any of the, any of the studies. And uh, I mean, that, that kind of story is mind-boggling when you think about it. So. Did you have one around pregnancy or fertility, dream-wise? I think you might have had a... Oh, oh yeah. Um, and one of my other... The pregnancy dream was actually a postmenopausal woman who dreamed she was pregnant. And she said, well, that's impossible. Uh, it must be a metaphor for giving birth to, to a new creative project. But, but she's a very skilled dreamer. And she said, I better double check. I hope I don't have anything wrong with my uterus. And the first dream is just like she's experiencing giving birth, but no more details than that. But in the second dream, she's taken her graveyard in Ireland and shown a headstone surrounded by daisies. And the voice, dream voice says, if you don't take action on the dreams the night before, you're going to be pushing up these daisies soon. At which point she went to see the gynecologist, had an ultrasound and was diagnosed with endometrial carcinoma and then had a vaginal hysterectomy where obviously the uterus is delivered through the vagina just like giving birth to the tumor so and she's fine now but that dream was really compelling uh, to get her to take action and again for our listeners we have an episode on lucid dreaming with robert wagner if you want to learn more about um, lucid dreaming larry i just want to ask you again as we kind of wrap up here what are the there's seven chakras and what I heard is the first four are the really important ones from this physical aspect of our life. Start there. Can you give us our mantras again for chakra one, two, three, and four? And the chakra is the root one, so the genitals. Two is where the ovaries and uh, fallopian tube is. Three is your solar plexus, and four is your heart center. Can you share your uh, mantras again? Oh, yeah, so fear is the issue in the first chakra. And, and so the, the um, 
uh, mantra would be, uh, I'm safe. And one of the, the key points in EFT is also something called the tail ender, which is when you're, when you're using affirmations, like I'm safe, the tail ender is what comes after it. It's like, I think I'm safe. No, that's bullshit. Uh, uh, I'm terrified. You know, so, so that's the tail ender. And what you want to do with it, tapping is use an affirmation and then listen to see what comes afterwards. And then that's what you tap on. You know, uh, and then eventually you can clean up your affirmation by getting rid of that tail ender. Then when you when you finally say I'm safe and you actually believe it, then it it has a healing you know, impact. And so so same thing with the second chakra when you're saying as a toddler who just wants to be free, so I'm free is the phrase, and, and the opposite would be uh, I'm angry about not being free. And then third chakra is the, the demon emotion is, is shame, um, and this also comes, that language comes from Anna Dia, Judith's book, Eastern uh, Body, Western Mind, uh, where she, it's correlating the chakras with, with Western psychology. Yeah, and so that's, the mantra is I'm enough, as opposed to uh, as opposed to my self-esteem is damaged and I'm not enough. And then the, the fourth chakra is I'm grateful for w- what I've had the privilege of experiencing, even though I may have lost it and, and be experiencing grief. So, All right. I want to thank you very much, Dr. Larry Burke. If you guys are interested in his books, his talks, his EFT, his dream coaching programs, you can check him out at LarryBurke.com. That's LarryBurke.com. And for those that are interested in conscious fertility work, you can always find me at acubalance.ca. Larry, always a pleasure uh, connecting with you. It was good to see you and talk to you again. Thanks, Lauren. And uh, yeah, I, um, I encourage people to, to get their, sh- their chakras aligned and balanced by doing the work of clearing all that trauma out of them. And as a bonus, I'll just say, when you get to the fifth chakra, which I don't usually include, uh, speaking your truth is what you want. But lying to yourself is the shadow. Oh, thank you. But well, why don't you tell us the fifth? Let's do what the fifth one is. So lying to yourself, not speaking your truth. The uh, sixth one, the, so the third it eye. Is, is trusting your intuition yeah. uh, versus being uh, basically deluded, you know, uh, by perhaps delusions that you have that aren't true intuitions. Okay. And then, of course, the seventh is divine connection and or the the absence uh, feeling totally disconnected from that uh, divine source so and all right that's dr larry burke everybody and you can find him at larryburke.com if you're looking for support to grow your family contact acubalance wellness center at acubalance they help you reach your peak fertility potential through their integrative approach using low-level laser therapy fertility acupuncture and naturopathic medicine Download the AccuBalance Fertility Diet and Dr. Brown's video for mastering manifestation and clearing subconscious blocks. Go to AccuBalance.ca, that's A-C-U-Balance.ca. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Conscious Fertility, the show that helps you receive life on purpose. Please take a moment to subscribe to the show and join the community of women and men on their path to peak fertility and choosing to live consciously on purpose. I would love to continue this conversation with you, so please direct message me on Instagram at Lauren Brown Official. That's Instagram, Lauren Brown Official. Or you can visit my websites, laurenbrown.com and acubalance.ca. Until the next episode, stay curious, and for a few moments, bring your awareness to your heart center and breathe. Thank you.